we're going to say this together. Our scripture theme, theme scripture for the year, Psalm 1. Come on, let's do it. Blessed is the one who does not walk in step with the wicked or stand in the way that sinners take or sit in the company of mockers, but whose delight is in the law of the Lord and who meditates on his law day and night. That person is like a tree planted by streams of water which yields its fruit in season and whose leaf does not wither. Whatever they do prospers. Are you in? All right, let's grow. God bless you guys. Woo-hoo. Thank you, Van. Thank you, Jordan. That was that was, that was a fun little interactive thing and people are being wild over here in this section. Um, but today I'm continuing this little series called Relationship Equals Response. It's based upon how the wise men responded to Jesus. Uh, and just to, just to let you know, is in honor of Christmas, though, I, there is one additional event I'd just like to make you aware of, that if your age is 36 and up, I want you to come to a special holiday gathering at my house. Rebecca and me are going to be hosting this. It's going to be next Sunday evening, uh, the 20th, at, at my place. Uh, if, you, if you need information on that, I have a whole pocket full of invitations back here. I know Rebecca will have some, too. So get that, because I want you to come. It's going to be fun. If you're, if you're like, now, I've had questions about this, but my spouse is, is 36, but I'm 34, so can we come? It's like, no, you have to stay at home while your spouse comes. I mean, duh. Now, of course, come. So uh, it, it's going to be a blast. If, if you're below that, sorry, you're out. You have to go figure out, find your own party, all right? Hey, I love the story of the wise men in Matthew chapter 2. I really, really do. These, these were wealthy state-sponsored magi who studied these ancient prophetic texts, and they looked for signs. Uh, they looked for signs in the skies. They looked for signs on earth that would correlate with the prophetic text. And, and they came to this conclusion that this new, big, bright, brilliant star that was in the sky was the announcement of the Messiah, uh, which was the king of the Jews, that he had arrived. And so and we, we know this, that, that obviously they had access to the writings of Isaiah the prophet, uh, which would have definitely led them to that conclusion. So in their wisdom, these wise men, these magi, they set out on this long, ambitious journey. It probably took about two years from the time they saw the star to when they actually met and worshipped this new God King this God King that was actually written about in the prophecies of Isaiah. And, and it's written this way in Matthew chapter number two. Follow along with me. It says, after Jesus was born in Bethlehem in Judea, during the time of King Herod, Magi from the east, we don't know how far east, but it was, it had to be on a ways away. They came to Jerusalem and asked, where is the one who has been born King of the Jews? We saw his star when it rose and we have come to do what? Do what? Keyword right there. It's important, all right? Jumping down to verse 10. Then when they saw the star, they were overjoyed, and on coming to the house, they saw the child and his mother Mary, and they bowed down and did what? Worship. Worship. What did they do? Worship. Boom. Yes. And then they opened the treasures. They presented him with gifts of gold, frankincense, and myrrh. So, so the magi, they were seeking to worship. Again, in their wisdom, these non-Jews set out on this, I guess you would call it like a, a hiking adventure of a lifetime. It really must have been quite amazing to experience this newborn king. They, they, they obviously had information about Jesus, but they wanted to go further than just having the information about Jesus because they actually wanted to interact with Jesus. They wanted to worship Jesus. And 
Uh, thus, the challenge in America today is because some know Jesus. Some know Jesus. I mean, they, they have knowledge about Jesus. They have information. They, they have data. They call themselves Christians. It's based upon knowledge. I mean, some around here would say, well, of course I know Jesus. I'm a Christian. I went to Texas Christian University. It's like, oh, oh, oh. <laughs> but, but please keep in mind, I am not at all interested in attempting to dispense more information or more data about Jesus because I I just want to go deeper. I, I, I want to be on a quest. I want to be like the Magi because some know Jesus, but some have relationship with Jesus. That's, that's where I want to be. I, I don't want to just worship Jesus from my mind or from my intellect. What I want is to have relationship with him. I want to be able to worship him from my soul, my heart, my emotions. I want to go deep, just whatever's deep inside, I want to give to him which takes us to the challenge of this series that we're in this month. And the challenge is this, it's this, it's what I challenge you with, is to choose relationship with Jesus over knowledge about Jesus. And I'm just, I'm, I'm giving you just some, some clues and some, some cues on how to walk that through. See, I have relationship with Jesus. Maybe you do already too, maybe you don't. I don't know where your situation, but I have relationship with Jesus, but, but I want that relationship to grow deeper. I want more depth, I want more substance, I want more intimacy, I want a richer relationship. You see, relationships in general, you know, basically any kind of relationship, it takes time, it takes an investment, but the deeper the relation, the more interaction the relationship requires such as my relationship with Rebecca. Rebecca is my wife, for those of you who don't know, and, and, and that relationship makes demands on me that I'm more than willing to perform, to do, because it comes from my heart. It demands my time. Uh, that relationship demands focus. It demands uh, in intentional planning. That relationship demands my heart. It demands my passion. It demands my gaze. It demands my touch. It demands understanding. It demands my emotions. Now, it means basically this, is that I choose to feel the relationship above thinking the relationship. It means that I respond to Rebecca from my heart and when she responds to me from her heart, then, then we have relationship happening. Relationship equals response. But, but if either of us quit responding to one another and we just simply adjust or adapt to communicating information or data, the, the truth is the authenticity of that relationship is going to wane. And that actually happens to a lot of marriages. It happens to a lot of people in their relationship with Jesus as well. I don't want that for your relationship with Jesus nor a marriage. So authentic relationship demands a response from us. Just like it is with a spouse or a significant other, so it is with Jesus. Now last week I talked about lifting our hands and how, me, how it's one of those meaningful, heartfelt responses to Jesus and, and, and how it fuels our relationship with him. So one of those things I encourage you to always do is to lift your hands in worship. But today I wanna emphasize something very different. I wanna make this statement is that we respond to Jesus also by pouring. Some of you, you're blessed. You're just, you're really thankful for what God's doing in your life. You're overwhelmed with the goodness of God right now. And, 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 and to, so, and, and things are just going great. And today, here's my encouragement to you. 
I want you to pour out your heart to Jesus because it's an amazing way to worship him. Enjoy the goodness of God. And actually, that's when it's easiest to do it. But do it. Others of you who are here today, you're just kind of existing. Uh, there's not too much going right. There's not too much going wrong. Uh, but it's just kind of where you are today. But regardless, my encouragement to you is to pour out your heart, your emotion to Jesus. Now, there are others today, and um, you're hurting. You're, you're scared. You're confused. And um, some of you, you just feel so alone. In fact, a few of you have probably just took everything in you to get out of bed and get here today. Now, I applaud you for that because that is a step in the relationship. And here's what I say to you who are really going through it right now. Pour out your heart to Jesus. Tell him really everything that's going on. Now, I know you might say, well, but wait a minute, Pastor. I can't, I can't do that. You know, I don't know if God would allow me to really pour out what's on my heart right now because it can get ugly. Well, here's what I want to say to you. Pour out your heart because Jesus can handle it. In fact, Jesus knows more about your situation than you even know about your situation because he knows the real end to it. See, all you can see is maybe the messed up past and today's pain and, and uh, frustrated. But do, but do you know this? You can actually complain to God. I know a lot of preachers don't preach this because it doesn't sound very lofty and spiritual. Complain to the Lord. Like, guys, it's in the Bible. We're supposed to do that. Okay. Some of you are going, Pastor, I don't know what you're preaching. I'm going to go over to the Castle Church down the road because I don't know. Listen, listen to this. I want you to look at this. Psalm chapter 142. Look at this. The songwriter says, and this is a song they sang in worship. I pour out before the Lord my worship. No, what? My What? My what? What does that say? Complaint. Before God, I tell him my trouble. Verse 5 says, I cry to the Lord and I say, you are my refuge and my portion in the land of the living. What I love about this, this scripture is this song is there's a beginning and there's an end to it. The beginning of it is, is about pouring out and telling God everything that's going on in your life. But as you begin to do so, you can get on through that psalm. You get to the end of the psalm and then you're saying, God, hey, wait a minute. You are my refuge. You are my inheritance today. Now, see, here's what's interesting about that. And we may not catch the full full kick of it, but in ancient Israel, there were six cities that were called cities of refuge. These were places of refuge that were set up by God where essentially a messed up person could go there to one of these six cities and get a fresh start. So basically like this, if you accidentally killed someone and uh, you, you could run to one of these places of refuge for safety and protection and you wouldn't get killed yourself. Now, here's the truth. God actually provides that for us today. It's not so much about a city, but it's about him. We go to him because he is our city of refuge. That's why he says that even in the psalm, they're saying, God, you are my refuge. And as the people were singing that song, they were thinking about the cities of refuge because that word refuge had to do with the six cities. But they're saying, God, you're actually the refuge. So, so what do you do when you are regretting and grieving over stuff that have happened in the past? And, and 
what are you gonna do? What are you gonna do when you're just messed up and, and you're feeling that life is beating you down and, and you're feeling depressed? Well, pour out your heart because Jesus can handle it. He will be that place of refuge for you right now. And God is not interested in beating you up or beating you down. No, he is the safe place. That's why we pour out our hearts. Psalm 62 says it this way. It says, trust in the Lord at all times. That's in the good and the bad, even when things look terrible. Trust in the Lord at all times, you people. Pour out your hearts. That means pour out your emotions, the tension inside, everything that's there, whether it's good or bad. Pour it out, your complaints to him, for God is our refuge. Where's your refuge? Some of us have different refuges and places that we go to, a safe place. Maybe it's a car. Some of you, maybe you, your refuge is the shooting range. You know, I'm going to blow something up. Or maybe it's a closet. Or maybe it's your garage. Or maybe it's the blankie. You just need the blankie. That's your place of refuge. I don't know. Uh, for some of you, maybe that your your refuge is a, a person and and. You simply feel safe when you're with that person, and 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 that's all right. But in fact, in fact, one night a few years ago, I was walking from this building to another building downtown uh, near the plaza, about eight blocks away, and and I was carrying this bag. And as soon as I hit Tenth Street, as I was walking down there, I'd walked less than a block down there. One of the downtown security guys on his bicycle, he spotted me, and he was about a block away, and and he paused. And I watched him. I'm always you know fairly cognizant of what's going on around me, and except when I step on people. But, uh, but it's, and then break my knee. But, but, uh, but I, was, I, I was noticing, he, he noticed me, and he kind of stopped and just watched, and, and, and he came along behind me on his bicycle at the slow pace I was walking, and he stayed about a block behind me, and he just followed me all the way until I got to that building downtown. And when I walked into that building, he drove off. See, I felt safe. I felt secure. I, I, I felt protected. Now, here's what's interesting. I didn't earn or deserve the protection from that guy. In fact, I was not on a Sundance Square property when this all happened. He didn't stop to ask me a battery of questions. He didn't check my ID to see if I was with the Bass family or not. But I was safe. And let me tell you guys, that's how God treats you. Pour out your heart to Jesus. He is your safe place. He is your refuge. And when you pour, here's one thing I want you to do. I want you to remember this, that God has been faithful in your past. I want you to remember the time when God came through for you. I want you to remember the time when God rescued you out of that really dark spot. I want you to remember the time when he restored that broken relationship that you had no hope for. I want you to remember that time when you were sick and then God healed you. I want you to remember that time when God provided for you miraculously when you were scraping the bottom of the barrel personally. The ancient songwriter puts it this way. He says, my tears have been my food day and night. Some of you, that line right there, it's like, oh, I get that. <laughs> I just can't stop crying. Everything hurts so much. My tears have been my food day and night while people say to me all day long, huh, where's your God? 
You're basically making fun of you. So you're a Christian? Look at all this stuff you're going through. <laughs> what kind of a God do you serve? What a waste. But here's what I like. It says, these things I remember as I pour out my soul. So, so the, the, the songwriter's saying, I'm, I'm telling God all the stuff that's in my emotions, all these feelings, all this anxiety, all this agony, I'm telling God, but as I'm telling God this, I'm remembering. I'm doing two things. I'm telling God what I'm feeling, but I'm also remembering some things of how I used to go to the house of God under the protection of the mighty one with shouts of joy and praise among the festive throng. And then he asks his soul, which is his emotions. He's saying, my soul, why are you downcast? Why are you so disturbed within me? Soul, hey, self, put your hope in God, and I will yet praise him, my Savior and my God. You see, the things that I remember when I pour out my soul is when my blood pressure was out of control and I had a mini stroke back in March, but God stepped in and today my blood pressure is normal. The things that I remember when I pour out my soul is when Rebecca and I prayed for groceries when we were newly married and someone that night showed up at our door with a carload full of groceries and bag after bag came in. As we unpacked them, they were the exact brands and the items that we wanted. I'll never forget the perfect olive that we wanted so bad they were there in the bag and even the kind of canned drinks we liked. I, I, things I remember when I pour out my souls when I was 17 and I could no longer afford the collision insurance on my car. I called State Farm and told them they were going to need to cancel my collision. It was just too expensive for me. Two months later, I totaled my car and it was my fault reported it to the insurance, but then the office assistant at State Farm said, uh-oh, we made a mistake. I put a note in the file to cancel your collision, but I forgot to cancel it. <laughs> and I got a cool Mustang out of the deal. <laughs> and when I was 22, I sold my cool Mustang and I bought my fiance an engagement ring. Hey, all things work together, right? <laughs> These things I remember as I pour out my heart. I want you to do it. Do this in the middle of your pain and uncertainty. Pour out your heart. Jesus can handle it. One of my favorite characters in the Bible is Jeremiah. He wrote two Old Testament books. He wrote Jeremiah, and he also wrote this book called Lamentations. Lamentations, you know, like lament. You know that it's going to be some serious business there. And judging from those two books, Jeremiah was a very, very emotional man. Uh, and if you're reading his writings without actually reading to the end of the story with his writings, you'll get very depressed right along with him. Uh, but what I love about Jeremiah is this man held nothing back from God. He lays it all out, and he tells God exactly Exactly how he feels. He pours out his emotions and he pours out his heart. You see, I used to be afraid to do that with God. I was fearful that God would get angry at me and that I would get hit by a lightning bolt. I mean, I, I really, really believed that, that God was going to do mean things to me if I just told God how I felt. But then I realized, it was, it was actually when I was in college studying the writings of Jeremiah, all of a sudden I realized that, hey, wait a minute, Jeremiah, he is pouring his heart out. He's telling God everything he's feeling on the inside. And if Jeremiah can do it, I mean, he's a prophet. The guy wrote two books of the Bible. Then little me, little Tim, I can do that as well. Here's one of his statements that he wrote that really touches my heart. In Lamentations 3, he says, I remember my affliction and my wandering, the bitterness and the gall. I remember them and my soul 
is downcast in me. What he's saying there is, is when I think of all the stuff I've gone through, I get totally, completely depressed and I can't lift up my head. My emo- I'm just, depression is overwhelming me. And I love what he says here though. He says, yet, this I call to mind. Again, he's gonna think a certain way as he's pouring his heart out to God and therefore I have hope. Because of the Lord's great love, we are not consumed for his companions never fail. His compassions never fail. They are new every morning. Great is your faithfulness. In fact, there's an old, old Christian, it's called a hymn that we sing, great is your faithfulness. You know, they're new every morning, new every morning. Most people don't even realize it's attached to this. We don't sing the part of the song of, I remember my affliction and my bitterness and gall. I'm so depressed, life stinks. But that's actually the reality of what the song is. Great is your faithfulness, God. Maybe you can say this to God. I want you to try it. If I were to put it into my own words, my own version, the Tim Woody version of Lamentations 3 would be something like this. God, I've been so beat up. God, I'm emotionally and physically at my end. My life has been nothing but just wandering in circles and I can't make progress. I feel like my, my diet in my life is horseradish and garlic and I'm sick of it. And all I can think about are the trials I've been through and the missteps that I've taken and the failures that I've made and I keep rehearsing them in my mind over and over. I can't get all that stuff out of my mind. God, I'm totally depressed. My life stinks. That's what Jeremiah is saying. He says, but then I remember this and it gives me a glimmer of hope that I I remember that you love me. You didn't strike me dead like I deserved. And ultimately, those who have relationship with you, ultimately, we will never fail. And you will show me compassion over and over because you're a God of mercy and I don't deserve it, but still, you keep pouring out mercy on me. And with you, God, I get a clean slate. I get a fresh start every single day. Now that, my friend, is pouring out your heart. Now I have proven it to you with a handful of scriptures that this is all through the Bible and I'm just scratching the surface. I think one of the most powerful things we can do in worship is something quite a bit different than we see and experience around us. As our polished Americans, we like to all be positive and happy, but it's just to tell God, God, I can't take it. You just pour out your heart and tell him what you think. Tell him what you're feeling. Jesus can handle it. Tell him what's really on your heart and then then remind yourself then of that time your prayer was answered. Remind yourself of that time when your boss gave you that promotion or when you came to church and the worship team sang that perfect worship song that spoke to exactly what you were facing. Remind yourself of the pastor's message that seemed to be written exactly for your circumstances. Remind yourself of that time when you had this overwhelming sense of unexplained supernatural peace in the middle of your chaos storm. Pour out your heart. And while you pour out your heart, just trust, 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 because God's power is available for your future. 
Uh, we, we absolutely must believe that the best is yet to come. Psalm 102 is a brilliant piece, piece of literature, and I'm not going to read the entire psalm, uh, but, but in this psalm, the lyricist expresses mental anguish and distress. Uh, he talks about physical torment. He talks about a loss of strength. He talks about social anxiety caused by haters. He talks about depression, loneliness, isolation, and a spiritual crisis, even feeling like God isn't even listening to him. Some of you go, yep, that's me. Okay, then this is for you. Here it is. Hear my prayer, Lord. Let my cry for help come to you. Do not hide your face from me when I'm in distress. Turn your ear to me when I call. Answer me quickly. In my distress, I groan aloud. I'm reduced to skin and bones. I lie awake. I have become like a bird alone on a roof. All day long, my enemies taunt me. But you, Lord, sit enthroned forever. Your renown endures through all generations. He will respond to the prayer of the destitute. He will not despise your plea. Friends, this Christmas, regardless of how much pain you're in, I'm asking you to push through your pain to that place called praise. Maybe you've lost someone this year and it's tearing your heart out. Maybe you've been rejected. Maybe you feel like worthless trash. And maybe you lost your job. You don't know how you're going to make it. Maybe you're overextended financially and you see no way to get through this season. And maybe your doctor has given you a negative report saying things aren't going to turn around. And like, you know, my physical therapist told me when they first saw me, and go, oh my goodness, buddy, you're, you're not going to be walking normal for a year. I'm like, oh, come on. You know, I'm, I'm not even going to play that game with you. you know, God's, God seems distant and aloof to you maybe. Like he's got better things to do or better people to take care of and you're afraid and you're confused. But I'm going to ask you to pour out your heart because Jesus can handle it and remember his goodness to you. And here's what I know. Regardless of the junk in your life, and regardless of the junk in my life that I deal with, Jesus has always been faithful in my past. Jesus is good in my present. And Jesus will be with me in my future. And the best is yet to come. This Christmas does not have to be filled with emotional distress unloaded on God. Will you pour out your heart to Jesus with me right now? Because this is one of the most powerful forms of worship, mostly untapped by the American Christian Church. But I would love for us to tap into this. I'd like for you to stand with me. Come on, stand with me. And we're going to sing this closing song. But before we even begin to sing this song, I just want you to, to lift your hands to God. I want you to tell God how you feel. Come on, tell him what's on your mind. You may not want to say it very loud because you don't want anyone to hear another around you. And that's okay. I don't care. You're talking to God, not the people around you. But tell God how you feel. God, I've had it. I'm frustrated. I can't stand what I'm going through. When is this going to end? God, I need your help. God, I need your help. This is crazy. I'm so down. I'm so depressed. I don't know what to do. Pour your heart out to God and worship him. <laughs> 